Sometimes I get scared of the gospel. This week is certainly one of those times. I spent a lot of time pondering how I could preach around this passage. I could wax poetic on the many uses of salt, perhaps, or focus just on that opening image, this stranger casting out demons, and Jesus' expansive proclamation that whoever is not against us is for us. It's so different than whoever is not for us is against us. That's a little something to think about. They were all little somethings, really, because there is just no getting around it. All I had were little thoughts and observations flitting around what is landing with a dull thud at the heart of this gospel, which is that Jesus is talking about hell. We really don't like to talk about hell. I think for many of us, it feels scary. We've heard the phrase fire and brimstone, and it really just feels incongruous with everything else Jesus has to say about God's love and God's mercy. We look at Jesus's life of offering healing and redemption, and it just doesn't add up somehow. So let's take a step back and look at why. Why has Jesus come out with this cascade of images of millstones and fire and worms? Think back to the gospel passage we heard last week. It is what starts this conversation that we're picking up on. The disciples were arguing about who among them is the greatest, who has the most authority, who is closest to God, And now, even after Jesus gently sets them straight, they still do not get it. It's John who has them in an uproar now, upset that some stranger was casting out demons. He's not part of their band. Jesus must speak with clarity now, with greater force now. Because arguing about who is the most powerful, playing gatekeeper with the work of redemption, Jesus sees that his most beloved friends have it all turned around. So he sets them straight, that they should cut off their arms, pluck out their eyes, cut off their feet, anything, anything, to keep them from those easy, comfortable sins of exclusion, of self-obsession, anything to keep the disciples from barring the most vulnerable people, the least of these, from God's healing embrace. It's deliberate hyperbole, yes, but Jesus is trying to explain just what a devastating tragedy it would be for someone to be kept from the gospel. So no, it's not literal hands getting plucked off or two-sided eyes being cast into the flames. But, but, Jesus is saying, yes, even that terrible sacrifice would be worth it because the prize is that great. The promise of Christ's kingdom breaking into the world, proclaiming liberty to the captives, good news to the poor, even sight to the blind. The prize is that great of even one child knowing the love of God. 
So yes, that means the risk that we run is great too. Because when it comes to hell, I think we have it all turned around. We can end up as hopelessly lost as the poor disciples. And not, it is worth remembering, for a lack of good intentions. So let's try to think a bit about hell, starting with the first of these terrible images, that it would be better if a great millstone were hung around the neck and a person thrown into the sea than for them to place a stumbling block between a child and Jesus. There can be no greater separation from life here on land than to journey to the depths of the sea. And it's interesting that Jesus starts with that image of separation because that is what hell is. Hell is separation from God. The theologian Daniel Migliore puts it perfectly in his book, Faith Seeking Understanding. He says, hell is simply to be oneself apart from God's grace and in isolation from others. It is the hellish weariness and boredom of a life focused entirely on ourselves. There is no truer misery, I think, than to reject mutual love and mutual life in favor of an existence where you, your life, your wishes, are the only thing that matters. Hell is the rejection of the incredible love that God offers us because that love is, by definition, a mutual love. To understand God's overflowing grace and mercy and desire for you, to be in loving communion with you, is to realize that that is the fierce love that God has for every person, for you and every other person. That is how we are blessed with a merciful God that always makes space for repentance and healing. That was Jesus's work on this earth. But that is also how Jesus comes to talk about cut off hands and plucked out eyes and worms because he will use every hyperbole in his power to get us to change. What I believe and what I believe Jesus is expressing here is that hell is a choice. It is a choice that people make. To quote Daniel Migliore again, he says, hell is self-destructive resistance to the eternal love of God. It symbolizes the truth that the meaning and intention of life can be missed. We can put ourselves apart from God and say, I'm not interested in all that. It begins and ends with me. My success and my happiness are the most important things in the world. People make that choice, and they follow that sadness and emptiness all the way down. It is fundamentally up to us. Hell is not a threat because God's deep love for us is just that. It is love, and love is not a cudgel, it is not coercive, it is not threatening. It is the offering of a gift. But it is by definition a gift that we share. 
It is not a gift that is meant for us alone. So this is how the more we dig into what feels hard and scary to talk about hell, we end up face to face with the expansiveness of God's promise and how that vision of a world that has enough for everyone can make us braver and less afraid. Christ is calling us away from narrow, myopic faith whose boldest dream is that we, just us, might always be happy. This is a kingdom whose ruler washes feet, an abundant feast with room for everyone at the table. And this kingdom is not ruled by fear, but our participation is urgent. Repentance is urgent. Our choices and our actions and how we treat each other are important. God is trying to save us, not from the flames, but from ourselves. Amen.